0: With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at two, five, ten, or twenty five dollars and get a ton of bonus content. One of Us needs and appreciates all your support. This movie review also comes for subscribers at Time Lord level or above an uncut, unedited, longer video version of the review. Become a subscriber and check it out. Look, I know, no one wants to hear it. I've heard it, like, so many times, so many horror movie reviews. Oh, Chris wanted to investigate ghosts when he was a little kid. Well, okay, that admittedly came after I saw Dinosaur Movie and wanted to be a paleontologist, and then someone pointed out how boring that job actually is and doesn't involve actually running from dinosaurs. And then I wanted to be an archaeologist, but someone else pointed, yeah, that whole traps and fucking, like, running from, like, natives and things and finding, like, secrets of supernatural powers, that's not really a thing. I was like, I want. I don't want to do that. And then I saw this other movie and I was like, I'm gonna chase and capture ghost. You're goddamn right. That's what I'm going to do. And people were like, yeah, so far, no one's had any real luck with that. I was really into paranormal stuff for a while, into ghost hunting. And the king of all the ghost houses was Borley Rectory in England. This particular series of hauntings took place in the late 19th century to early 20th century before it largely burned down a little bit before midway through the 20th century but it was sorts of many good different ghost stories. It's often called the most haunted house in the world. And quite frankly, it's startling. There aren't more movies specifically and outwardly about it. I mean, there's like two I could find. There's one called Borley Rectory, which is a apparently animated film about the actual stories that show the tales and supposedly is great. I was like, oh, I'm gonna have to find that. There's another called, like, The Legend of, or The Haunting of Borley Rectory, which is, of course, terrible. None with blood coming out of her mouth and that kind of shit. Okay, so all that being said, why are you talking about that before this movie, which doesn't have Borley Rectory in the title? In fact, it's called The Banishing, which is almost nonsensical why it's called that, but okay. Once you start watching this, Lowayne and I were talking another, before another review, and we're like, this is Borley Rectory, right? It's like, yes... No, it's more Kinda. like... Borley Rectory was something you could copyright. This guy would have been sued, because he just lifts what parts he likes and doesn't use other stuff. It's not the Borley Rectory story. It's more of like a nod in the direction of that. But if that's your thing, you might be interested to see it for that. For everything else... Well, we're here to tell you that you might have some problems with, which surprises me because this is from director Christopher Smith, who's done two horror movies I genuinely love. He did the horror comedy Severance in 2006, and he did the twisty, cool, time-twisting triangle in 2009, which a lot of people have not seen. I'm always like, dude, check that movie out. It's so good. The Banishing plays with some of those elements, but... Only a little bit. This is more of, as I said, a gothic haunted house movie. Here to talk about it with me is Luanne.
1: Hey, how's it going,
0: Melina? Good evening. Scary. <laughs> and Tessa. Howdy. Well, that was not what I was expecting.
2: Sorry, I'm offset, Melina. There, I'm just like Woody. Howdy, howdy, howdy. <laughs>
0: So, story here. What is happening in this particular film? Well, it stars Jessica Brown Findlay, who, if you watch Downton Abbey, which I do not, she's a woman on there, but I saw her going, oh, the list said, you know,
1: a Keira Knightley type. I have that in my notes, too, as not Kira Knightley. Right.
3: <laughs> I described her as if someone took Lena Headey and Rachel Brosnahan and spliced their jeans, then you have her.
0: <laughs> she plays Marianne, which, once again, if you know Borley Rectory, you know, because one of the more famous stories involves someone writing on the wall, Marianne, help me, which never comes up in this movie. So anyway, sorry, I'm bitching about something nobody else cares about. If
2: you paid attention in the occultist's office, the name of it is Morley Rectory. They changed one letter.
0: It's the early years of World War Two. She is moved in with her reverend husband, Linus, played by John Hefferman, who basically spends the whole movie either randomly exploding into anger or jealousy or speaking in tongues, essentially. And ignoring her.
3: So like any pastor.
0: Any marriage. Let's not say any marriage. Come on, I'm married. (laughs) Shit, now I have to reconsider everything. (laughs) She's got a daughter from not a previous marriage, but a previous uh, coupling. We shall say Adelaide, by played by Andrea McKenna Bruce, and they move to this huge estate, right? Morally rectory or morally rectory. Even the priest is like, I'm like kind of young and new. And why am I being given this? And there's like an older priest. Do you remember what his name was? It was like something that screams children of the corn. It was like, Malachi. Malachi. I was like, Malachi, dude, yeah. don't trust a priest called Malachi. Are you insane? <laughs> Who is like, you did really nice stuff. You took this fallen woman and you saved her. And we're all like, what is that all about? Well, that comes into play more as the story goes on. But either way, point is the house... Built on the remains of an ancient monastery where horrible shit happened with monks that looked bad. I don't know. There's a bunch of shit going on here. There's a line that connects, however loosely, allegorically, to the rise of hauntings in the house, to the rise of Nazi Germany, that plays out in a really unfortunate epilogue sequence that I'm like, guys, you're not creating the banishing universe, I'm sorry. Really, what I thought was the most interesting part of this, outside of very traditional hauntings, there's a mirror found in the parts below the house that we start getting into some of that triangle territory that this director is so good at doing and does cool stuff with here. And I'm like, why don't you just stay with the fucking mirror instead of going back to every old horror trick?
3: That's kind of how I felt about everything in this movie, actually. All right, well, you have a kernel of a great idea pretty much every few minutes that you're introducing, and then you just fall back on really tired horror trick instead of actually doing something interesting with it. It's
2: like we have creepy little kid, check. Creepy dolls, <laughs> check. Intense harbinger, check. Creepy children's game, and a spooky mirror, which was... Like you guys said, the best part.
0: And we didn't even say the other character, Harry Price, is based on the actual paranormal investigator from Real Life of Borley Rectory, but very, very, very loosely, very freely adapted. Played here by Sean Harris, who seems to have been given instructions to how to play this role from an entire other film by accident. He's like Ron Weasley playing Voldemort if the lines were all written by J.R.R. Tolkien. And Mm. he's the only way he wanted to act that way. (laughs) And I'm like, and he's not a bad guy either. I'm like, he spends the whole movie thinking, this is the next Mission Impossible, right? But no, you're not the bad guy. Why do you keep acting like the bad guy?
3: The entire time I was watching him, I was like, he's playing this like he is the crazy psychopath. Whereas you've got John Lynch, who plays the older priest, and he's clearly the one who's the more sinister of the two and in their intentions. No spoiler there. But he's playing it with so much more kind of like nuance and in a way where you're like, why, why do I feel like there's something more to him than the movie's letting on and it's going to kind of gradually tell us a little bit more about his backstory yet he's supposed to be the villain and this other guy is supposed to be the good guy and I was like this just feels weird the way that the two of them are being made to play it
0: didn't you feel like the film almost had its hands on something to actually say that was relevant but instead chose to keep going back to this weird prequel to an Indiana Jones movie thing with the Nazis yeah. <laughs> yeah. what, what,
1: what? what is that even there for i know it felt like it was brushing at stuff like it it was almost gonna tell us or show us something nope just kidding it's a scary boo again all right fine
3: You were talking about how this is telling the story of what is supposed to be the most haunted house in England. I only got that from, like, reading the notes on it from the screener, whereas when I was actually watching it, I was like, this could almost pass as, like, psychological horror to where all of this could just be pure hallucination. I don't really feel like there's a ghost aspect to it at all until the very end where they're just kind of like, oh, no, no, here's what it is, and we're going to show you in the last ten minutes, and it's all going to be through dialogue exposition, it's not going to feel earned at all. And I was like, where did this even come from?
0: All right, so I kept comparing my head to The Conjuring and why The Conjuring does what it does really well, which is that it gives you lots of time to really like this family and get to know them, and each one has their own personality. This movie just kind of drops these people right in the middle of the situation. Nobody is given much characterization other than exposition about their past. We don't see details of who they are as just the way that they behave, things about them that they like, things they do. They never seem like real people.
1: They just seem like props. When you were talking about it being psychological versus supernatural until light gets backloaded and then it gets into the whole thing. That's the word. They almost go out of their way to try and force that on you by telling you how unreliable the characters are going to be. Because everybody makes comments about the mother. Sinner and all the other garbage. And of course Harry Reid slash Price. Everybody talks shit about him. Right, They're all like, oh yeah, you can't trust him. He's crazy. He was responsible for killing this person. You know, So they're going out of their way to make everybody unreliable. So even when they do see things initially, it's like, okay, so did you really? Because to me, it looks like it's supposed to be supernatural, but they keep going out of their way to tell us that, no, no, you're not reliable. So
3: It was hard to find a place to ground yourself on this. Movies like Black Swan, where it's kind of like, that movie leaves you in that kind of sense of, I don't know how much of this is reality, but the movie commits to that the whole way through. Whereas this, it's like, it feels like it was kind of giving you a red herring through two thirds of it where it's like, oh no, this is what it is. And then at the end, it's like, oh no, 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 it's all supernatural.
0: And don't you feel like the stuff they were doing that did work with the mirror and sort of like the twistiness of what is actually going on in time could have played out so much better in terms of what was actually happening than what they actually did with it? I was like, because as it is, it's just a stunt. You know, it's not really super relevant to what's happening. It's still just a pretty standard haunting that has thrown that in as a cool stunt that's part of it. Well, wouldn't it have been more fun if that was the... On some level, and the what was happening with this thing and the, the multiple times and existing in multiple places was part of the reason that we were seeing things and events were happening, but it's, it's not, really. It's just a thing the guy got left over from Triangle that everybody liked doing. Oh, it's cool, let's do that again.
3: I liked it more in Conjuring 2, where <laughs> there's that brief scene where she, Vera Farmiga's character goes down into the basement and she goes into the mirror and the mirror starts moving differently and then she turns around and then the creepy nun is there and then she turns back around and then the nun's coming through the way that they even set up that shot in this one so resembled that i feel like this guy just took notes on that movie and was like all right well we're just gonna put this here and people are not gonna notice that i'm like well everyone saw that movie so yeah we definitely noticed
2: Yeah, I felt the same way about the occultist as well. I feel like there could have been a really cool character there, but they didn't know how to, like, gel it to where it made sense. It's like you have this fantastical, over-the-top, flamboyant occultist who's trying to, like, tell everybody about what's going on in town. And it just, yeah, it just didn't land. There's a lot of things here that were really close And I really like the triangle. I saw that one. And at the end of that film, it it left me thoroughly creeped out, which doesn't happen often. So uh, I had high hopes for this. I was a little disappointed. I mean, it looked great. Yeah, it's very well shot. Oh, yeah. It's amazingly shot. feel like there was a lot of like bass that was kind of loud throughout. Like they mixed it weird. Like the dialogue versus like this weird like low humming.
1: There was one bit where I really noticed the humming and I realized what it was. They're covering over a sound design thing that they're doing. Because there's a scene where the lead is chasing herself. The lead version of her doesn't make noise when it runs. There's no sound on the floor. But when she runs behind herself, she makes noise. You can hear the tapping. But that hum neutralizes what's going on so it doesn't sound like they just cut the sound it gives it a background ambience at least in that scene there are a few other places though where it just seems to be there but it's not like an element of the story like what is that sound it's yeah. so weird and mysterious wow.
0: i did like the score from toy drum though that also did another horror film i'd like to prevenge i did oh, like yeah. the
2: score yeah it was very eerie
0: but tessa why don't you go into your final thoughts
2: This has a lot of nuggets of something that could have been better. And even like the moral we have at the end of the story is a phrase that's been said a million times that I feel like it's not really anything new. I won't give it away, but they have like this thought or moral at the end that the the husband says the church, she finally gets it. And it's just kind of like, okay, cool. Yeah, we've heard that quote like a million times. It just didn't really blow my mind, I guess. I'm probably going to give this maybe like five out of ten. What time is it, Mr. Wolf Games?
0: <laughs>
1: I had never <laughs> heard of that. I was like it's just tag basically, but I was like oh that's the British tag. Okay. The clock, the time, is the number of steps you take. I literally had to look it up. I'm like, is this a real game? Yeah, it's got its own
0: Wikipedia page and everything. So, yeah.
3: <laughs> My sister used to play that game when she would play soccer. It was supposed to be sort of like, instead of running suicides, they would have you like run towards the coach with his back turned. And then when he would say, it's dinner time, then as close as you were to him, that's when he would chase you. And the first to get tagged would be out and he, she, they'd have to join them. Mm-hmm. It's one of those like fun gym games that you play.
0: <laughs> the first to get tagged would be in therapy for years
1: afterwards.
3: Yeah, in this movie, yes.
0: Uh, Luane, what's your final thoughts?
1: It's okay. It looks good. It mostly sounds good visuals are fine performances i can't decide if the performances are good or not because i can't tell what's choices what's direction and what's just the writing and that's the part that feels kind of the weakest for me is is the writing because the story's not clear it doesn't have to spell everything out but it does have to sort of make sense at least within its own world and i'm not convinced that it does and that little epilogue you were talking about at the end i'm like really Of all, I don't know. It's not terrible. I'm going to go watch The Triangle now, because that's apparently way better. It's just triangle, by the way. There were a couple of interesting quotes in it, but I'm not going to get into those. And I talked a little bit about the chasing scene, because that was sort of interesting. But at the end, it's 2.5 out of 5 creepy monks. Maligna? Maligna? To quote
3: Mystery Science Theater, it's like they have two servings of tension that they're trying to stretch out for seven people. Because (laughs) what we haven't said this whole time is whether or not this actually succeeds in being scary. It doesn't. It really doesn't. There are, like Tessa, you were saying, bare bones of a good movie here. There is some stuff that they introduced that I was really excited for them to play with. I mean, I was sold by the trailer. I was sold by the first 20 minutes. I was like, I can't wait to see where you go with this. It's such a cliche to say, say this at this point, but this is another one of those where I'm like, if you'd made this a miniseries and fleshed this out, this actually could have been really interesting and really fun and we actually could have gotten to know these people. So much of what would have made this good is missing, which is character interplay and fleshing out character backstory. All of that should be here to make all of these little points of horror worth something, make them significant. And it's not. I was left so utterly cold and disappointed by this because I thought, yeah, there's so much here that could have made for a really scary and actually something with a lot of subtext. But again, it's all just so on the surface and it leaves you just thinking, well, I guess I'm just going to have to create a better movie in my head. So I'm going to give this five out of 10 upside down crucifixes.
0: There's so much stuff in here I think is good, it just doesn't belong in this movie structured the way that it is. All the performances are really good, they're just really poorly written characters. Sean Harris is knocking it out of the fucking park for a character in a completely different movie. Not this one. I'm like, he's the world's most pretentious paranormal researcher. I was like, did you accidentally read the page for Aleister Crowley instead of Harry Price? Because that's what it feels like you're playing here. I don't know. There's so many confusing things. I just don't understand what you were thinking, but it's really well shot. Like I said, it's gorgeous looking. There's moments that work. There's a lot of good ideas here. Then there's stuff that should have been left on the cutting room floor. They easily could have cut out all almost entirely the Nazi subplot, and it would have been a better movie for it, quite frankly. Because it just leaves you shaking your head going, what the fuck is that even about? Because it certainly doesn't fit very tightly as an allegory here. Anyway, it's okay. I I certainly encourage you to see other films by this director, but The Banishing is not one of the stronger efforts from him. I'm going to give it five and a half out of ten nuns that are like, hey, my part was cut entirely out of that film.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Marilyn Manson's not getting much work anymore, so...